When you think of Christmas, a few images come to mind. Typically, you think of the manger scene, shepherds, wise men. But always among those images, always in the midst of them are the angels. And when we think of angels, um, we, we've talked about them before. We've talked about how there's somewhat of a, a misconception about the purpose of angels, the role of angels, the appearance of angels, um, as they're described in the Bible, versus how they uh, are often displayed in our culture, in our mindset. But that's really not going to be our focus over the next uh, several weeks. I want to look instead at the message of the angels. The word angel uh, comes from the Greek word angelos. Um, it's more of a transliteration than a translation. The translation would be messenger. Somebody who brings a message. And there are several uh, different times in the biblical narratives where the angels bring a message. Bring a message to the individuals uh, involved in the events surrounding the advent of Jesus. So we're going to be looking over the next several weeks at those messages, those exchanges, those times when angels spoke, with the hope of both understanding the, the reality of Christmas, the, the reality of Christ's coming, and what it meant and what it instilled and what it expressed about God's desire for us, God's desire for his people, God's desire for uh, the work that Christ would uh, perform, but also in terms of what it means for how we live our lives, the lives we pursue, the things that we uh, are involved in, things that are part of who we are. Today I want to look in, in Luke chapter 1 at one of the first uh, exchanges that happens here. and It's an exchange that doesn't really go completely positively for the person who has the exchange. Most of the exchanges we're going to see are, uh, are wholly positive in terms of the angels saying, hey, this is good news, this is great news, and the, the people who are involved are saying, I'm in for it, let's go. That's really not what happens in this first exchange, but there's still some very important things we can learn from Zechariah and his response, and from Elizabeth, his wife, and her response. Some things that we can understand about the role of God in our life and what God does in our lives. One of the, the, the taglines that's really become um, almost a joke in our modern society and culture is, it's a Christmas miracle. You know, whenever something happens, it's kind of extraordinary or whatever. You hear that in movies and taglines and TV shows and other things like that. But God is really still very much in the business of miracles. If you don't believe in miracles, if you don't believe God literally changes the reality of things, then why on earth do you bother praying? Prayer is about inviting God to intervene in our lives, to change things, to alter how things would normally progress if left to their own devices, to step into this fallen world and the, the corruption and the the destruction that's happened because of sin, and to, and to say, in this place, at this time, at this moment, I'm going to alter those things. 
it's an important part of our relationship with God to recognize that he is involved, to recognize that he can do great and wonderful and amazing things. And Christmas is one of those times that I think reminds us that perhaps more clearly than any other time of the year. Because at Christmas, we recognize when God became man. When the Son of God became incarnate, dwelling here, living, existing as one of us. That's a miracle. That's unheard of. It's unexpected. God is still in the business of doing the unexpected. But I think sometimes we struggle with that or we, we don't respond appropriately to that or we don't deal appropriately with that because we don't expect God to do the unexpected. And I understand the irony of that sentence. How do, how do you expect the unexpected? If you expected it, it wouldn't be unexpected, right? I know, I'm overthinking it. That's how my brain works. But I do think there is very much a reality in which if we are walking with God, that when the unexpected happens, we can be prepared for it. We can be of a mindset that when it happens, we're grateful, we're excited, we're moving forward. We're not delayed or tripped up or, or, or stopped from progressing because we're just trapped by our doubt, our fears, our sin. So let's look at our passage this morning, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. And what it has to say is the angel Gabriel interacts with a priest named Zechariah. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now while, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? How can I believe this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel, angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I want, was 
sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he took on me to take away my reproach among people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're still very much a part of our lives, our existence, our experience. We thank you that you're still very much in the business of doing the unexpected, of blessing your people, encouraging your people, directing your people in ways that we didn't see coming. God, we pray that you would help us to be able to, to set our minds correct, to set our, our attitudes and our perspectives in the right frame of reference so that when you do move, not only are we blessed, but we are able to use those moments to proclaim your glory, spread your fame. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen. So as Gabriel speaks here to Zechariah, he says some things of, of import, some things that are uh, significant for all believers, not just for Zechariah, but for us as well things that we need to keep in mind, things that we need to keep uh, in perspective in terms of understanding who God is and how he relates to us. And the first of these things is that God's provision is more than thorough. God's provision is more than enough. It, it's thorough. It, it, is, it, it encompasses everything we need. God will meet your needs. Now, again, you know me. You know me well enough to know that I'm not one of those health and wealth preachers, those, those guys that that, that uh, are all about being us-centered. But I, I also want us to understand, and I want us to believe, and I want us to walk in the confidence of God's provision, to trust him, to understand him, to, to be a people who are not consumed and controlled by fear or by doubts or by other things that would keep us from proclaiming a message. Too often we don't reach out. We don't connect with the people around us. We don't impact our society. We don't minister to the culture because we're afraid of the repercussions. We're afraid of what it might cost us. And if we could just see, if we could just understand that God will provide, God will take care, God will uh, be there for us, even in the midst of hurts and doubt and loss, God is present with us, then we can begin to function and operate the way we were intended. In verses 13 through 17, Gabriel gives six specific promises to Zechariah. Six things that he says will, will happen or have happened 
in relationship to him. The first thing he says is your prayers are going to be answered. Is there any more reassuring or, or wonderful thing to hear from God than that your prayers have been answered or are going to be answered? I think we all, no matter how strong our faith, when we bow our word, we, we, we bow our heads for prayer, there's always that, what if he says no? And we pray obediently, appropriately, not my will, but your will, God. Whatever you will to happen, let that happen. That, that's appropriate. That's, that's the mindset that Jesus told us to pray with. That's the mindset that Jesus himself prayed with. But I think along with that, sometimes comes the, well, I really don't think you're going to do this, so I'm just going to throw out the, if your will be done, so that I kind of cover my bases so that, you know, I'm, I'm protecting myself from disappointment. But God loves you. Jesus said what? If you as a father know to give good things to your children, how much more does your heavenly father desire to do that for you as well? We need to be reminded of those truths, not just the, not just the issues of humility and, and, and obedience and respect. Those, those are very, very important, and too often they are indeed neglected. But we also need to be reminded of the truth that God is, to use a theological term, omnibenevolent. Okay? We talk about him being omniscient, knowing all things. We talk about him being omnipotent all-powerful. We talk about him being uh, uh, omnipresent everywhere. We also need to understand he's omnibenevolent. He is all good all the time. That's who our God is. And we need to acknowledge that. We need to realize that. We need to recognize the goodness of God. It's part of our relationship. It's part of how we relate to him, how we understand him, how we walk with him. I've shared many times that, you know, my dad was not the uh, softest of men. He was a hard man. Um, and as such, I was very careful about the things I asked him. Very careful. Um, lest the response not be the best response for me. <laughs> um, but I have a very different relationship with my mom. I would ask her for just about everything. Now, I didn't always get what I asked for, but there was a welcomeness to the invitation. There was a welcomeness to the request that came from her. And so as such, our relationship was different. My relationship with my dad was great. I love my dad. I know my dad loved me, so forth. But there were just certain things I would not do with him because of who he was. And I think our perspective of God kind of shapes our prayer life in that way as well. What we ask for, what we dare to ask for. If you're praying for things that I mean, we, we want to pray for everything, but if you're praying for things that, that 
you yourself can provide or should be providing through hard work or whatever. What does that say about your relationship with God? Why aren't you praying for the big things? He's a big God. And he may say no, but he's not going to be angry at you for asking. We need to have a, a mindset that recognizes that, that he does indeed answer our prayer. The second promise, God has been gracious to you. When he says, name your son John, the name John means grace of God. And so he's telling Zechariah here, name your son grace. That God has been gracious to you. Be reminded each day as you call upon your son's name, as you reach out to him, as you walk with him, as you see him grow, that God was gracious to you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, the one above. He is gracious to us. Anything you have, you have because he blessed you with it, because he's a good God. The third promise, you and your people will know joy and gladness. Whatever you've been struggling with, whatever you've been dealing with, God's seen you. He's responded to you. He's bringing you gladness. Fourth, your child is going to be great. We're all proud of our children. I can't say we all are. Most of us are proud of our children. We love to see them succeed. We love them to see we love to see them discover who God has called them to be, God has made them to be, to see them pursue that. That's a part of again the blessings of God. He says fifth, your Israel will see a national revival through your child. John would be one who would lead the people's hearts back to God. The disobedient to wisdom of the just. And then lastly, your child is the forerunner to the soon coming Messiah. He's preparing the way. He's the one who will work that up. And so we see here what? We see specific promises to Zechariah. We see specific exchanges to Zechariah that God is making through the angel here. And we need to understand that God makes specific promises to us. And the foremost of those, the biggest of those is what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's number one. Of all the promises of Scripture, that's the one we most need to hold on to. Jesus said it before he ascended. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. To understand God's presence, to understand God's work, to understand God's love for us is to understand the beginning of our journey. The second message that Gabriel gives is that God's word is more than enough. God's provision is more than enough. God's word is more than enough. Verse 19, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this Good news. Zachariah was doubting. Does he really mean it? Wait a minute. 
What about all these other things? What about my age? What about my limitations? What about these other things that are in the way? Gabriel's response is simply, God said it. What else do you need? I've mentioned a few times, I remember the, the bumper sticker that was real big in the 70s. Um, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Those things were everywhere. That was the saying. I think maybe Billy Graham said it and somebody turned it into a bumper sticker. I can't remember. But I have to be honest, I think it's wrong. I think that middle sentence, that middle clause in the sentence is unnecessary. God said it. That settles it. We need to understand that. That God, when he speaks, God, when he moves, God, when he expresses things, he is faithful to his word. When I make promises to my students, my children, my wife, to y'all, I fully expect to be able to keep those promises. I try to be a man of my word. I try to be a man of integrity. But you know what? Sometimes I can't carry it out. Why? Because maybe I'm not actually able to do it. It's more than I thought I had, could do. It's more than I'm capable of as a person. Or, or maybe something happens in between the promise and the carrying it out that causes me to not be able to do it. But here's the thing. When God says he's going to do something, number one, it's not going to be more than he can do. There's nothing more that God can do. There's nothing that's bigger than God. And number two, there's nothing unforeseen that's going to pop up in between his promise and the carrying it out because he knows all things as well. And so when God makes a promise, it's going to happen. It's going to carry out. It's going to be a part of our life and our experience, we need to see that that is enough. He said it. That settles it. It's enough. I just need to trust him. And then third, Gabriel says, God's deliverance is, is all that you need. In verse 20, he says, Thus the Lord has done. You've done it. That's all you need. And just so you know that he's done it, I'm going to make you mute for the next nine months. Now, that's a big, I don't want to say punishment. It, it, in, in a sense, it's a punishment, but it's a, it's a big sign to Zechariah because as a priest, Part of his task, part of his role, part of his job is what? Speaking. You see as the story unfolds here that he goes out and he has to, he's trying to do hand signals to tell him what he saw. And I can just imagine what that looked like to everybody. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what, what he was doing. I don't know what, what hand signs he was given. But this was, this was what? This was going to put him in a status to where he couldn't do his job the way he'd always done it. 
He was going to have to what? He was going to have to rely on God even more. You didn't trust me enough in this moment? I'm going to make it so you're going to have to trust me even more for the next nine months. Just so you can see who I am and what I can do. It wasn't just a, and, ne and it never is, it wasn't just a, quote, punishment. It was a lesson. And as God moves in our life, as God directs us, as God corrects us sometimes, he's not up there just saying, or around us just saying, oh, they look like, look like they're having too much fun. I need, I need to smite them or smack them or something like that. He's teaching us. He's growing us. He's leading us toward him. So how do we prepare ourselves to see the unexpected? I think the passage, again, gives us some, some clear instructions here about what needs to be part of our life in order for us to, to appreciate and to understand and to see God at work and to be ready when he moves. But I think the first thing is, is outlined there in verse 6. We need to do the everyday stuff. What's it say there in verse 6? It says, Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. They were what? They were doing the daily stuff. They were walking with the Lord on a day-to-day -day basis. I've said this many times. It's important for us to recognize when you, if you really want to know the will of God for your specific life, then you need to be doing the will of God for everyone's life. If you want to understand the mind of God for you as an individual, you have to understand the mind of God for everybody. What he expects of everybody. Because if you're not doing that stuff, then you're not going to see, you're not going to understand, you're not going to have faith when he moves in your particular experience. And what he expects of all of us is what? What we call the spiritual disciplines. Prayer. Fasting. Bible study. Worship, evangelism. These are the things that are expected. These are the things that Scripture repeatedly returns to, saying this needs to be part of who you are if you're going to be a person of God. If you're not doing those things, don't expect to understand God, God's will on a bigger scale. Because how are you even going to be able to recognize Him if you haven't gotten to know Him? Secondly, carry with you the significance of God's message. Zechariah has a, a, a smidge of that. He has a, an element of this. In, in, in verse 12, it says what? That when he saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. Why? Because this was a, a momentous event. He was standing in the presence of one of God's angels. And he was overwhelmed by it. And we need to understand that when we open this word, we're standing in the presence of God's word. He spoke these things. He proclaimed these things. He revealed these things. He spoke them. This isn't just Luke's opinion of how things happened. 
God spoke these things. And I'm not saying worship the Bible. We don't need to turn the Bible into an idol. But I'm saying have a healthy respect and understand and carry with you the significance of God's message when he has spoken, when he has said something. That matters. There's no wasted ink in the Bible. Every bit of it reveals a part of what God wants you to understand about who he is. And we need to walk in that knowledge. We need to be confident in that truth. Preaching scares me. Not because of y'all. I love y'all. But because of the weight of handling God's word. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to get it wrong. Not because I think he's vindictive, but because I think it matters that much. Third, pray constantly. Verse 13. He says, because your prayer has been heard. Isn't that interesting? No prayer has been recorded up to this moment. We haven't heard Zechariah utter a prayer. We haven't heard him say anything. He's carried the incense, which is meant to be a symbol, a representation of the prayers of God's people, but we haven't heard him pray. pray. But what the context tells us, this has been something that has been on his heart, on his mind, in his life. And not just his, but his wife. Later on, she's going to refer to the fact that she is without a child as a reproach, a disgrace. This is a weight she's been carrying. She's been praying about this for years. We need to be constantly in the mindset of prayer. Paul tells us repeatedly, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean we need to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Prayer is a conversation. It can happen as you're driving. It can happen as you're walking. It can happen as you're working. But it has to happen, and it has to be a regular part of who we are. And then fourth, we need to trust that God's power is greater than our problems. Do you really believe God can do what God says he can do? This is where Zechariah tripped up. How can this be? How can I notice? How can this even be possible, he says in verse 18. I'm old. That ship is sails, God. And God's reply is simply, not if I haven't said it has. We need to trust that God can deal with our hurts 
our loss, our grief. This is what Elizabeth says. He has taken away my disgrace, my reproach from among the people. Now you notice it says there in verse 24 that my translation that I read earlier says she, she kept herself hidden for five months. Why did she do that? It wasn't to hide the pregnancy. If you're going to hide the pregnancy, you hide during the last four months, not the first five. She's not even going to show early on. Nobody's going to know. Why did she hide herself? I think a, a better way to put it, a better way to translate the, the word there is she secluded herself. She did what? She went off to be alone. To commune with God. To express her thankfulness. To express her commitment. To prepare herself for the task that lay ahead. She was going to raise the forerunner of the Messiah. The weight of that moment, the weight of that truth, impacted her in such a way that she said, I, I just got to be alone with God. I, I just got to talk to him. I just got to hear from him. I don't need the advice of everybody else around me at this moment. I need him. And you put on top of that the fact that it had been decades you got to think she's probably in her 50s, 60s, maybe even older than that. In those days, women started thinking about having children were married in their late teens. Forty years, at least, of waiting on this. And now God says, it's happened. How overwhelming must that have been? And even as prepared as she was spiritually, she needed some time with God to deal with next steps, to deal with the process. And folks, as you're dealing with things in your life, some of which you may consider a disgrace, some of which you just consider a difficulty or a hardship or something that you're unable to overcome. You need to take time to just be with God. Worship and fellowship and encouragement are essential as well. If you're not spending some alone time with God, you're losing out on one of the biggest resources you have for being able to deal with the unexpected, to be able to deal with the things that are overwhelming, for good or for bad. We need God in both. We need God's response. We need God's help. We need God's deliverance in both the good and the bad. 
a big part of that, a big part of discovering and trusting that God's power is greater than our problems is spending time with just Him. Listening. Talking. Fellowshipping. With the one who created all that you see. And who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. As we enter into this Christmas season, it's a time of joy, it's a time of hope, but it can also be a time of great difficulty. It's memories of lost, uh, of loved ones who have, who have left us, flood our thoughts. As our inability to do the things we'd love to do, our family and for friends and so forth sometimes hits us. Other hardships and difficulties that throughout most of the year kind of lay dormant rise to the top during this time, during this holiday season. In order to face those, in order to overcome those, we have to be a people who are looking for hoping for, praying for the unexpected. Because we serve a God who's able to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for each person here. God, I pray that you would move in miraculous and wonderful ways in the lives of people here not just in this Christmas season, but in the year ahead. God, I pray for this church and the plans that you have for it. Help us all to keep our eyes and our thoughts on you and what you're wanting us to do, not necessarily what we think needs to happen. God, I pray that during this time of response right now that you'd help us, Lord, to be open to things you want to show us, things you want to teach us, ways you want to lead us. Guide us according to your purpose and plan. We love you. In Christ's name.